welcome, whether you are a fitness professional, a coach, man, it seems like there are lots of kinds of coaches these days, right? Health coaches, self-care coaches, wellness coaches, or whether you are an everyday Jack or Jane looking for your own reliable wellness information for yourself, you have come to the right place. Welcome to Better Than Fine. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall, and I love being in the wellness space. I love helping people. I love teaching them the information and the skills that they need to grow into the people that they want to be or to become more deeply related to the person that they always have been. Uh, and I love the practitioners who genuinely care about their clients and who want to help their clients grow. I love teaching those people. But if I'm being honest, I resisted calling myself a wellness coach for a really long time. Uh, and that's because I was pretty frustrated. And oftentimes it's because when I would poke my head into soft quotes wellness, I'd find information that I didn't entirely trust, ideas that to me seemed questionable. Uh, and it, it came, I come from the personal training space. Uh, and, you know, when I think about being a personal trainer, I think about the sciences of anatomy, physiology, kinesiology, biology. I came to that career as a person who wants to know that I'm doing legit things, right? Science-backed things that are going to work. And I wanted to know that I was telling my clients and my students things that were actually legit. So, you know, when I think about that mindset, when I first got into fitness as a, you know, as a personal trainer, uh, my very first job, I was working for like a big fancy luxury gym. And one of my mentors at the time, uh, fast forward 10 years, we're going to get married next month. But, you know, my fiance, Matthew, he's been in fitness for over 20 years as a personal trainer. And he's, he's kind of judgy, if I'm being honest about other trainers. And his biggest insult if he is judging someone as a practitioner is to call them a charlatan, you know, a poser, somebody who makes up their, what they're saying to people, they're full of nonsense and bluster. They're a charlatan. And when I first became a trainer and I heard him refer to somebody as a charlatan, it got like burned in my mind that that is not who I wanted to be. I wanted to be legit. The problem is, you know, there are people out there who are really looking for help. They're looking for meaningful, reliable information that's going to get them where they want to go. You know, so if that's you, you want to grow, you want to change, you want to make sense of yourself and your life. But there is just so much information out there. And so for this episode, I want to talk about why it matters that as practitioners or consumers of information, that information is reliable why you should care as whether you are a trainer, you're one of those coaches, all those different kinds of coaches, or just for yourself. How do you know how to find reliable information and that that information is legit and then carrying it forward into your life? So let's get to it. This is Better Than Fine. I'm Darlene Marshall. Let's dive into how do you find reliable sources of wellness information that you know you can trust? And I think 
on some level, it's kind of fun to make fun of the hashtag self-care wellness influencers. I, I also want to own, you know, my own baggage on this. It is weird to be someone who has a show in the wellness space, but I try to be really mindful that the information I'm putting out is evidence-based. But what is that? Why does it matter that something is, soft quotes, evidence-based? Well, evidence-based means that the recommendation, the strategy, what we call an intervention in psychology, that there's some research out there that the practitioner, the person making the recommendation is basing the activity on. That there's science out there saying that what you're about to try works, at least for some people, a good chunk of the time. So why does that matter? Well, if I'm being really honest, some people might tell you that it doesn't matter. Their belief or their experience, they think that that's enough to know that what they say works actually works. So when recommendations are based on an individual or a small group's experience, we'd call that anecdotal evidence. There's no formal research that's been done that says that this result was caused by what they say caused it and that it works for more than just like that person. So this was like, we've all got that friend who tried the latest fad diet and they look great and something changed in their life. And they're like, you've got to do this fat diet. Like this is the, the best thing ever. But we don't have any way to know, like, did they just get a dog? So they started walking all the time. Did they get a new job and it's less stressful? Like there's so many different things that could change in their lives that could give them the result that they got that wasn't what they said it was. It wasn't this fad diet. So that's the big problem with anecdotal evidence. One, it might not work beyond just the one person or the small group. Two, it might not be the inputs equal the outcome that they say, right? Like there might be some other factor involved that produced the outcome because it wasn't controlled experiment. Or three, they might have some resource or privilege or circumstance that other people don't have that gave them that outcome. And so without the structure of real research, we don't know. So I might see a Kardashian post something to social media that recommends a particular product, but my pictures don't look like theirs because I don't have a million dollars. I don't have a plastic surgeon. I don't have an expert photo editor. I don't have these other things that give me the outcome that they got. And the other big reason that it matters is if I'm going to sell something like a, like a coaching session, is it really ethical for me to say, this works if it only really works for me or for one out of 10 of my clients, or I just made it up yesterday and I don't even know if it works, but I'm going to still sell it anyway. So it matters that what we put out there in terms of wellness content is evidence-based because it's more likely to work. And I was terrified of getting this wrong at the beginning of my career. I glued myself to my scope of practice, my certification, my education, because I didn't want to be self-helpy. I wanted to meaningfully help people and know that what I was recommending was going to help them get what they wanted in their lives. Now, over time, 
I gained awareness of information. I grew, I got new certifications and more education. And so did my scope. It grew with me as I became more qualified to give information. And I also became aware that some of what I thought was self-helpy or woo-woo or kind of nonsense was actually evidence-based. So another benefit of having a body of research, a body of evidence, is people who are skeptical can be brought around to accept tools that do actually work. And the perfect example of this in my life is I used to be the biggest naysayer out there about gratitude practice. I was a huge skeptic. It seemed like every self-help guru out there was pushing it. I thought, this is nonsense. How is writing about what I'm thankful for going to help me? And then I read the research of Robert Emmons and David McDonald, or excuse me, David McCullough. Uh, I read the positive emotion research of Barbara Fredrickson, and this body of evidence changed my mind. It got past my skepticism. But the big challenge in all this is knowing who you can trust, where they get their information from, and it's become an even bigger challenge in the last few years because before it might have been suggestions about workouts or meditations or essential oils, and now people out are out there debating things like germ theory, which feels absolutely nuts to me. So without getting sucked into that debate, which is a huge quagmire, this is better than fine. I'm Darlene Marshall. We're talking about how to refine, hmm, let's try that again, how to find reliable sources of wellness information. And so let's talk about how this idea of evidence-based practice actually works. So to start, let's own that personal training, coaching, whether we're talking about wellness coaching, health coaching, any kind of coaching, those labels aren't regulated by any government body. So it's not like I legally can't go out there and call myself a doctor if I'm not a doctor. But really anybody can go out into the world, go out on the internet and call themselves a trainer or a coach. Now, some of those people are going to recognize that in order to not hurt people, to know how to meaningfully help people, and to wanna know that they know what they're talking about, they're gonna go off to do some kind of course to get certified. So a certified personal trainer, a certified wellness coach, it means that they've invested in their education. Okay, some of you probably are certified in whatever you your discipline is. Now, some certifications are gonna have oversight. Others are just gonna be courses that somebody made up. And that's actually becoming more and more common these days, right? You know. One big thing that you're going to want to consider if you're looking for good information is whether or not the people who are giving that information are qualified. So that low end is, are they certified, right? Are they giving fitness information and they're a certified personal trainer? Okay. The next step up from that would be some kind of specialized certification. So are they a life coach or are they a wellness coach or health coach, right? Like, is it specified to the domain? Or this could be a personal trainer who's got some kind of corrective exercise specialization. So another step up from that would be someone who's got like a bachelor's degree in 
exercise science or in psychology, right? Do they have some other more specific education? And then we get up into masters, which in some disciplines is a terminal degree, like it's the highest degree you can go. Maybe they have a PhD or maybe even they are published because they did the original research. Now that person's definitely an expert, but I also want to own that sometimes the researchers aren't really the best at the application piece. And I've noticed this in in my field in positive psychology, where a lot of the people who've done the research on like the positive relationship between exercise or sports that you like and the joy that like carries off in the positive emotion in your life, they're not necessarily going to go out there and like teach you how to build that into your life. They're experts at the research, not necessarily in how to use it. Or maybe there's even people who are specialists, I call it in the overlap. So a, a great example of this is someone like Kelly McGonigal, who is uh, a psychologist. She does original research and she's a group fitness instructor. She teaches yoga. She teaches dance cardio. Like she's in the overlap. So she's got that pocket specialization. Or I'm going to toot my own horn here. I have a master's in positive psychology. I'm also a coach and a trainer. Like I'm in the overlap. So there's lots of different examples of people who are good at research and application. And they're to me, you're like gold stars of where you know you can get reliable information. You might also consider where you can find the blogs or the other tools and resource pools of places like Harvard Medical School, Stanford Medical School, the Penn Positive Psychology Center. Many of these educational institutions now have free outlets of information. And some of those are, say, like courses on Coursera, where they're free courses on happiness, positive psychology, nutrition. Um, there are great podcasts coming out of the, um, you know, some of the Harvard labs. So many of these, you know, um, kind of scholar practitioners, people who do the research, but also do the application are finding new avenues to share their work. And they're perfect examples of where you can find reliable wellness information. And that's what we're here talking about today on Better Than Fine. So one thing that you're going to want to consider, whether we're talking about certification, someone's signature course, or even things that get posted to Instagram or out on a blog, you want to ask yourself, are the, these statements being made, are the claims linked to anything? Are they cited? Do they give information about where these ideas that they're sharing come from? So a good example, I might do an episode on optimism and say, people who are more optimistic are happier and then teach you about optimism. Maybe I even suggest some things that you could do to build your own sense of optimism and hope in your life. But I think I'm going to be much more credible if I tell you that these theories are based on Martin Seligman's work on optimist explan optimistic explanatory style, and that if you want more information, you could read the book Learned Optimism. Because otherwise it might seem like I'm passing off his ideas as my own, or not citing any research, I could be full of nonsense. I could just be making stuff up and you wouldn't necessarily even know. So you take another popular example here. I've seen many people on the, on the internet, online and blogs and social media claiming that something like the ketogenic diet will cure 
something like PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, PCOS, if you don't know, is a hormonal dysfunction in women that can cause things like weight gain, infertility. It's, it's a serious medical condition. But if you look at the current evidence on the ketogenic diet, it can improve the blood and urine tests of a woman with PCOS over the course of three to six months. But they need to do more research. And there are very few, if any, longer term studies. So we know that it helps in the short term, but we don't really know what the long term outcomes are and the long term ramifications are. And that's not the same as a cure. And the treatment of a medical condition with food is the scope of a doctor and a nutritionist, not a coach or a trainer. So you want to be mindful that someone might be putting out an idea using words that are exciting and potentially inflammatory. They're trying to get your attention, but it might not be accurate. Because these big ideas are not as simple as an Instagram post. And that's not to say that Instagram or other social media outlets shouldn't inspire our curiosity, but we want to be discerning about how that information is framed and how we use it. So when you're looking online for information, you want to consider not only the qualification of the source of that information, but also what's their motivation in sharing it. So yes, what's their education, but are they trying to sell you something? And what other motivations might that person have? So for example, someone's account might say that they're a doctor, but if you dig a little deeper, maybe it turns out that they're a podiatrist and they're not giving, and they're out there pushing nutrition information, right? They're not a food doctor. So they're not really qualified to give nutritional advice. Now, maybe that same podiatrist decided to get a certificate in nutrition coaching. That's different. That person now has multiple qualifications. And when you're asked, when I asked, like, are they trying to sell you something? Let's say that same podiatrist nutritionist has an essential oils company. That person is going to be incentivized to put out information about all of the magic that oils could do in your life as if there was evidence to it, right? And, and Dr. Feet with doctor in front of his name, it, it sounds good. Like this person's going to know what they're talking about, right? But I want to take a sidestep here and point out the difference between evidence and belief. So I believe that there are greater powers in the universe. And I do. But that doesn't mean that I have any scientific evidence to prove it, right? And I'm not going to tell anyone else that their belief system is wrong because I have no proof about theirs versus mine. And I'm not going to prescribe my belief system to my clients because my job as a wellness practitioner is to understand their belief system and help them make choices that work for them. And one way I can do that is by sharing reliable information that's based in some kind of evidence so that they can understand themselves and their world better within their belief system. And I'm not being ethical if I try to convince them of my beliefs off of something that's not evidence-based. So now let's backtrack to this essential oils example. 
I think there's a difference between sharing that I put peppermint oil in my diffuser when I have a cold because I believe it helps my sinuses open up. And, and I do. All of that is true. That's not the same as my saying that peppermint oil has healing properties and that there's research to prove it, which to my knowledge, there is not. I can share what I do and own that it's a belief, right? I do believe it makes me feel better without telling you that it's science. So you want to look for someone who's qualified or certified. You want to ask yourself, what are they maybe selling? And you want to consider what else they might be motivated to convince you of, like of, of what their ideas are. So maybe I'm not trying to sell you something directly. Maybe, you know, I know of a few wellness influencers who put out a lot of content uh, that everybody should take certain supplements. And if you peek behind the curtain, it turns out that they own a supplement company. So maybe they're not selling it directly, but indirectly it benefits them. The more people that buy supplements, the more people that follow them closely, the more people who are going to buy the supplements they buy. Oh, it turns out they actually own that supplement company. So let's backtrack and recap. When you're considering where to get your information, go with the websites, the people, the shows that cite their sources, or at least mention whose work their work is based on. Get information from individuals, from influencers who are certified. They're educated in the topic they're sharing on, right? So you're not gonna get information on hormone health from a podiatrist because they might not know what they're talking about. And I believe that the person who bothers to get certified, they're demonstrating a level of commitment and professionalism that it's not a whim that they're willing to invest in their skill set. And that also means they're going to be willing to invest in their clients. And then ask yourself what their motives could be. What are they trying to convince you of or sell you of? And here on the Better Than Fine podcast, I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. We're talking about how to find reliable sources of wellness information. And I'm going to be honest. I have a wellness show with NASM where I mentioned certification and its value. Clearly, that's a motivation of mine. And it's no big secret that at the beginning of the show, we show an ad for certification, right? That's our bias. I also really want to work in an industry that is respected and valued because I want to feel good about what I do and who I work with. So that's another motivation of mine. And I'm not going to try to hide that I want to sell you on these ideas, because if you believe, I'm not going to try to hide that I want to sell you on these ideas, because if you believe what I believe, we're all going to have more respect and we're going to be more valid in the space. And that's important to me, right? Because I told you at the beginning, I don't want to be a charlatan and I don't want you to be one either. So I think it's also important if you're a coach, if you're a trainer, a practitioner in the space to recognize in yourself, where do you have beliefs and where do you have an evidence base that you can point to? Because we all have things that we take on faith and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if we're going to be an ethical practice or if we want to be informed consumers of information, we want to consider where that faith line is and then we own it because it makes it harder for us to be exploited. We can be more direct and honest with our clients and the people that we serve. 
it's more likely that you're going to get results that you seek and value out of what you try. Uh, and as a practitioner, I think it makes us more trustworthy. And the last big thing that I want to say on this, you know, research on what makes people tick and how we live a good life, it's all ongoing. And I think there's people out there who talk about that like it's a problem, but I actually think it's really exciting. I like living in a world where there's more to learn, there's fresh ideas, there's new things that I can contribute to the conversation. But it also means that sometimes we don't actually know what we think we know, right? There's still big questions out there about how we tick and what's actually going to help. And sometimes we learn new things as we go. And we do the best that we can with what we've got. And then when we find out something new, we get to admit that we learned something and what we thought before was incorrect. Sometimes people take that to mean that the process of research is wrong or bad or that practitioners don't actually know what they claim to be talking about. But I know I want to keep learning and growing. And that means being willing to shed some of my old ideas when I learn something new. And in the meantime, I'm just going to keep doing the best that I can with the resources and the information that I have right now. And if we're all willing to embrace that idea, it opens us up to so much more that we can learn and grow together and the grace of admitting when we're wrong. So, there's a lot here. There's a lot that could be chopped up when we have this question of what wellness information is actually reliable, especially when the evidence base about what actually works is still growing. So what questions do you have on this? How do you know when you found a source that you can trust? Who do you rely on for wellness information? I would love to hear from you. Please share it in the comments. Like this episode if it's been valuable to you. Subscribe to the NASM channels. Uh, and please follow me on Instagram. I'm Darlene.coach. Shoot me a DM with your questions, your thoughts, your ideas for shows. The more feedback I get from you, the better our shows can become. And I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, for watching. This is Better Than Fine on the NASM Podcast Network. Mm -hmm.